hits the top spot at 59-1-2. Neck and neck. Simpson does not want to give in. There is the chicken flag and it's a win for Zach O'Sullivan. Another day, another Passing on Passion podcast with Kokoro Performance. Today, we're going to have one of our Kokoro coaches in, Pateus, also known as Pat. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Pierce, he's going to give us an insight on his career and how he ended up with Kokoro, the things he's learned in motorsport, and hopefully pass that back to you guys, the, the listeners and the viewers. So, Pat, thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah. Good to see you. Thanks for taking the time to come and have a chat with me, really. Of and, course, yeah. uh, Allowing our listeners to hear what you have to say about the sport, because you've, you've done quite a lot. You were a driver yourself. Um, you you pretty successful. I mean, I remember we raced quite a few years ago, but I'll let you talk about that and <laughs> say how amazing I was when we raced together. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, let's, let's talk about how the karting paddock is now and, and what the stars of the future are up to. So first of all, let's start with your career. Obviously, you brought mm. your lid in just to make it clear that you are a driver because yeah. people nowadays don't get to see you drive as much. Of Where course. did your career start? How did you get into that? So my dad, uh, he, had a, he was in, involved with F1 stock cars and his main sports really that he was into was golf and boxing, okay. uh, competing in both. Um, and, but I always showed an interest to just want to go on go-karts on holiday or some people call it karting, or if it, but at the time, go-karts, we'll yeah. call it. And um, he, he worked for the PGA, um, Professional Golf Association, and he was at the English Open in uh, Coventry. And this guy had a cheap, um, it was on a big wheelbase cart, but with a Honda Cadet engine on. And uh, he just said, uh, oh, yeah, I've got this for sale. Do you want to buy it? And it, I think it was like 300 quid. It was on a, on a Haas chassis. Which is a bit rare to see. Yeah, a bit rare they to. Do they do that anymore? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they they do. Yeah, it's big in Scandinavia and, and, and places like that. Okay. But but it's um, so I clearly remember it. It was it was one of my last no, it was one of my last days of primary school, and he came back for the weekend because there was the build up to the tournament, prepping the course and everything like that, and he said and he had a pickup as always um, that we used to go racing in, and he said. Uh, yeah, go and look in the back of the pickup. You know, me thinking it was like, a, we didn't, I didn't get treated too much as a kid, but, you know, I thought it, oh, maybe it's a football shirt or something like that, being football mad. And I pulled down the tail lift um, and he dropped the steering wheel and there was the roller shutter over the top and there was just this cart there. Quality. And I had my best friend with me at the time and uh, I just lit up. That was it. I was. It was just sold. Hooked. It, yeah, yeah. driven the thing. Yeah, it, and that's it. My life has just completely changed since then. Cool. And yeah, anyway, and we we got it out, and we were just going backwards and forwards in the driveway. Brake. You know, this is the yeah. accelerator. Yeah. This is the brake. Don't crash what into. What car was it? So it was a Hash chassis. Hash chassis with a Honda engine. Honda engine, right? Uh, so yeah, like I said, we were going backwards and forwards in the drive. Don't you know? Don't go through to the garden and crash into your mum's greenhouse. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and then I think it was a few weeks later, we was, we was at Rye House doing it. Quite you know, our local track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Rye House International. Exactly, so. yeah. We've but, spent a lot of time there recently. And I remember, the, I mean, this is the way I build up to things. I'm always in anything. I think if you ask people in anything, I am always so nervous in, when I do something for the first time. It's just, just how I've been. Yeah. Um, and he said, right, go out and do free laps. And you, bear in mind, it's an open pit lane, so you've got 100cc carts. Yeah. You've got, at the time, yeah, I Formula... Yeah, the they used to do it, right house, is literally free for all. Formula A drivers yeah. going out with cadets on, you know, on the 60cc on the, uh, Coma yeah. engines. And then there's me, 
on this, you know, big wheelbase Honda engine. Uh, and he went out and he went, right, just take it steady. And I, I was, I was bricking. bricking it. Yeah, I was absolutely <laughs> bricking it, you know, like literally trembling at the wheel. And uh, went out, done three laps, and I just come in with an absolute buzz on my face. Like, I was like, that was amazing. And he's like, right, go again. And it had been raining at Rye House, and, you, and the circuit was dry, but the off the track, as we know, used to be a bit, yeah, a bit of a pool. And uh, I went down the back straight of all places and hit a wet patch and put it into a spin. Uh, kept my foot on the gas and ended up in the off the track in just this big lake with puddles. It just, you know, water spinning up in the air. The engine just overheating, looked like it was on fire. Um, and I still wanted to go around, yeah. you know. And then I think literally it was a month later, we had a junior TKM sitting in our garage and just never looked back, you know. So. And that's when we started racing together, which I actually yeah. didn't. I didn't really actually yeah. know. I mean, I don't know if... I yeah. think I was a little bit ahead of you. I was a few months... You, you were, yeah. Because we actually, in terms of age, we actually started at a similar age. Like you were 11. Yep. Just going on yep, 12. Correct. I was 11 going on 12, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we actually started quite late compared to, you know, some of the kids of today. Missed out on that which, cadet bit, yeah. yeah and, he, and to be fair, this is an issue for a lot of parents. You know, I was going on to be 12 and... Really, he wanted to try and keep me in the cadet bit because you yeah. could go until I think the year of your 12th yeah. birthday. Um, and we got involved with the like kind of the most local shop to our to where we lived, go kart shop. And uh, and he was just like, No, stick him in junior TKM, yeah. 11 to 16 year olds, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah? yeah, not none of this, you know, 12 to 14, yeah. and then you're in scene. It was like 11 to 16 year olds, like law of the jungle, you know, getting some big kids, yeah, yeah. And I learned and when I, I think, because I'll never, I'm really good with faces. It's names that I'm terrible at. I've even forgot yours multiple times, how to spell Kieran. Who are but, you? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was um, probably about half a year later, we started to make Rye House and Kimbolton our regular club meeting. And Rye House, the, the level was not so high at the time. Yeah. But Kimbolton, you know, you're talking 68, yeah, 68 junior TKMs yeah, every yeah. month, waiting lists. Yeah. All the best names in the country doing it. If they ha and if they hadn't progressed to Jika, yeah. they were doing junior yeah. TKM. Yeah. You know, there was none of this junior Rotax. Nah, or TKM was big then, wasn't it? It was big, yeah. and it was a great learning class. Yeah. Looking back on it, you know, a lot of people put down TKM, but it, even today, you know, the people that do that class, they are grafters. Yeah. You know, all right, they don't have the big budgets, but it teaches you a hell of a lot, mm -hmm. and to look after your own equipment yeah, to a certain yeah. degree. For those that take an interest. So, so fast forwarding a little bit, where yep. did you, where was, where did the, the success start coming? Because you've had some success in karting when you mm. were driving yourself. When, mm. when did that start coming up? So there was initially in the first couple of years there wasn't really any success. It yeah. was kind of you know go to Kimball and get absolutely battered yeah. um, on a cart that was just never ever going to work. You yeah. know, um, I mean I was on a 1998 Devinson Sprint and this is like in the year 2001 now. Yeah. So. But, I mean, what he paid for the cart, the engine was worth that alone. We just didn't realise it at the time. The engine was a, a Monty one. And I ended up doing schools cart racing um, for my school in the uh, National Schools um, Cart Racing, racing Association um, Championship. And the very first year I did it, I won the British Championship, which had names from the junior TKM doing it. But I just lucked out at the time. It was like basically you take your best three out of four heat results and your cumulative score is, is, is yeah. the national champion for that year. And I won it. 
and the prize was um, a drive at the uh, second round of the Rotax European Championship. So now this is like, this completely changed the face of everything from just going to Kim Bolton and Rye House yeah. every month. You've now uh, won a entry to go and race in Eindhoven. And so we went there, we, like, we just had no idea at all. And we had help from various people, local, you know, that tried to help us the best we could, but we did financially. it with, financially. Yeah. But we were obviously doing this on a budget because yeah, going from doing two TKM, you know, maybe the budget was 700, 800 quid a month um, with a bit of practice yeah. to now a full-fledged European race. And we went there on a, on a top car, which was, it was a good name at the time. Um, no idea about materials like magnesium and all that. So I was on alley wheels, yeah. uh, round Eindhoven, which was bumpy and grippy. Um, and, you know, I'm going to put it out there, but first European race, absolutely smashed my back up. And I was about two and a half seconds off in the dry. It was that bad. I mean, there was me and a few others near the back, but... One is that, why, why is that? Just, seat, just knowledge. Seat knowledge, or, or seat, seat time, knowledge, experience. preparation? No, I wouldn't say, because I think physically at the time as a kid, I was, I was quite well developed. Okay. I played a lot of football and stuff like oh, that. Okay. But, but we went there um, and just did not have a clue. Um, and I went through all the heats and I was like finishing like 27th, 26th. And it was like, oh, you know, it was an absolute... But, my dad just said to me, he said, look, just finish the heats, do yeah. your best. And I think that was kind of his way of saying, just do it and let's go home, please. Yeah, you know, because yeah, obviously yeah. we weren't fast. Yeah. And went through the, the practice days and all the heat days and we were off, like I said. And then finals day, uh, it rained. And having just managed to finish all three heats, I just qualified for the main final which was just like, that was the highlight yeah. of my karting career at the time, <laughs> other than probably winning the school's British Championship. Yeah. That was just amazing. Um, and it rained in the final, and I drove from 28th to 5th. Nice. And it was like... A bit unexpected. Well, we're here now, aren't we? So he, he went, we missed the next round, which I think they held in Austria, and uh, we gathered up enough money to go to Braga, uh, and raced the last round in Braga. Again, with a little bit more of an idea, having spoke to a few people. Um, and you're still doing it on your own at this point? Still right? doing yeah. it on our own. No uh, rented a Mercedes Sprinter at that point. Right. Um, and the result was a lot better then. I think I finished uh, about 14th or something. Right. Still with the same um, kind of guys doing it. Yeah. And that was it. I didn't stop racing in Europe from, from then. Until, from This was now 2004. I didn't stop racing in Europe until full-time until yeah. probably 2015. So, obviously, I know you've, you, you had some success in Europe in the Rotax stuff, yeah. vice-champion, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Did you win the championship at the end? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the year I was second, it was, uh, I, I, I won it but didn't win it. It's a bit okay. long we, story, we, we but yeah, yeah, we won't go into that. Yeah, yeah, that hurts a little bit. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't want to bring that up yeah. just yet. But, I mean, how many years has it been? So since that particular result would yeah. have been 10 years right, to, we'll to leave, this day. We'll leave that yeah. for yeah, of course, yeah. maybe we'll pick yeah. it up at the yeah. you know, podcast 120. <laughs> <laughs> so you ended up vice champion later down in your career. Yeah. So from when you were finishing 15th yeah. in your second European race to vice champion, mm. what happened in between? What did you do differently? Well, I think obviously after that 2004 season, it was like my dad had to really go out and find sponsorship for me to, to fund this because we just did not have the money to go to Europe. It was, yeah. For me, the racing, 
going to Europe was just just a whole different scene. Meeting kids from different nationalities, yeah. it was just it just opened my eyes to everything, um, and to how great the racing in Europe is. Yeah. Um, but my ambition was I always when we started to so in in between doing the European stuff the next season, we would always go to we do the odd PFI club meeting where the competition was hot. Yeah. Um, and I always, I just saw the Formula A's and the ICA's, um, and I just thought, wow, like this is, this is, this is awesome, yeah. you know. Like, and then I start. I used to always get the cart magazines. I'd read everything from yeah. front to back, the pictures. I loved it all, you know, the the shapes and colours, the helmet designs. But having read the magazines and seen people like Ben Hanley and stuff competing yeah. in Europe, I thought, you know, these guys are full time, um, you know. What did I want to be as a kid? I wanted to be a footballer all day long, but that was not really going to work. And I just thought, you know, I know these guys, some of these guys are on a salary. Why, why can that not be me? But yeah. obviously the budget, you know, you kind of have to spend to get there to, yeah, yeah. to, to end up on that. Uh, so driving for a factory like Tony Kart was just, it was, it was just never going to happen. But, you know, that was, that was my dream in the end. You know, that was always there. Um, and as I got older and the results naturally improved, um, again, my technical knowledge would then develop because it was just me and my dad mm. and the odd help of the odd team now and again. I was having to learn this myself to try and... And how, you were, know, you, how were you doing that? It's not like we had the internet. You know, no, no, no. Then. It was just like, Don't you know, it, you take a lot of stuff with a pinch of salt from guys at the track. Again, my dad was just doing his best. Um, but, you know... The very, for me, the first breakthrough really was um, Dart for Karting. Right. Uh, my dad, uh, we got a deal through Wildcart uh, and through Dart for Karting, who were the importers at the time, which at the time a lot of people turned their nose up at because it wasn't really a desirable product at the time. They were more renowned for making like the components, yeah. like beautifully designed, uh, mainly with the aluminium uh, side of it. And, and, yeah, with their support um, and the Pozzo family that that were um, that owned the company, they really supported me. Like the, every European race, they were there, just coming in and, and taking an interest in what we did. And okay. sometimes when uh, things looked a little bit, you know, like uh, he needs a new one of them kind of thing, and the, yeah. the owner would look and be like, mm, "Yeah, this needs replacing," because yeah, we yeah. were like just trying to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, "Here's another one," yeah, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, and yeah, well, that's nice though because that's rare. That's rare. You see that nowadays in karting, especially because yeah, yeah. someone helping someone just mm. for the sake of helping them, yeah, without any, you know, there was no financial reward. They didn't, they didn't foot a bill at the end. Of, you know, they give you a bill no, no, no. no. Luckily, luckily, the carts were, um, were heavily reduced. Yeah, you know, this is like a, at the time. I think I then I was doing the DD2 bit for them, and this is a four-wheel braking cart. You know, so it's not just a. You know, this is an expensive bit of kit, yeah. you know. Um, and without their backing, um, as well as the sponsorship that I had at the time, my yeah. dad was a... That is one thing he got absolutely spot on. He was a great negotiator. Right. I mean, some people in the karting paddock probably think, oh, what a so-and-so, but he, he got some cracking deals yeah. from that, from there on. Um, and without him, I just would not have progressed. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, you know, it was really only him that took an interest over my mum. Um... So my dad was with me the whole time. Um, and then what was a game changer is he just said, look, you know, we, I moved to PCR in 2009, and that was just... They were not, a, again, not so much a desirable team to drive for, but just, you know, the Italian guys there and the experience. And I remember the guy who managed the team, a guy called um, Giovanni. Yeah. 
it was just like, wow, this, he, this guy was like 70 years old and he really, like, I was quite a nervous character when I was young and he was like, uh, if, I don't know, but he basically just said, what do you think of the cart when I'd come in? And I'd say, um, well, it's a bit understeer, a bit oversteer. You know, the feedback wasn't so good. Yeah. But you learn this because off the people. Because you weren't confident. In you ha- hadn't been taught, you know. Yeah. We were sort of, you know, it was great having the backing of these people, but you, the education bit was just, just not there, yeah. you know, unless you're in one of the big teams, which I was at the time now. Yeah. And he just turned around and with his accent, he said, listen, Patrick, don't bullshit me. Like, <laughs> you know, like... This is how it is. He got, and he used to just sit there with the lap, with the lap timer, just getting it. And he knew what everyone was doing, yeah. you know. And the ideas he had were were fantastic. And I got my first podium that year uh, in the European, you know. So I'd been competing in Europe for a long time. But yeah. bear in mind, this is not like um, participation trophies. It's like only the top three get trophies, and that's it. And quick question: PCR at the time, were mm. they were they winning everything? Were they or? They had, um, they would always have a driver in a class doing well. Right. Um, and when I went there, it was kind of like, well, this is the, this is really the, the next. We haven't really got. I don't think I would have been a first choice at all yeah. in in having a pick. But it was kind of like what was left. You know, yeah. they were they were at that point they were um, really renowned for bringing over South Africans in the Rotax scene. Who I learned a lot of those guys. Like they were. I don't know, maybe, I mean, I've never been to South Africa. I have a family member that lives there, but maybe what I find now to, in today's racing, you get, a, like, the British racing is just, it's ferocious, yeah. you know, and all these kids that learn from when they're six to eight years old and, and up, when they go and race in Europe, they don't really tend to struggle with the racing bit. Mm. They get to the front quickly. Um, to cut a long story short, I was now at PCR, and I got that first podium, and it was just like, Wow. The trophies were huge. Yeah. I mean, that is f- for me. Winning trophies was everything. Yeah, I di- yeah. didn't at the you know didn't really. I was realistic with the goals again, having a realistic dad. But just to get when I got that first podium, I remember it was at Solbury in France. It was just like what? so. It wasn't so much the result. It was just getting the trophy. Just getting that. I mean, massive gold thing. You <laughs> yeah, know, it, it's it. It was just. Where is it now? It's at my parents because <laughs> I know my. It, I know he, he plays it down, but my dad, you know, he he, um, he looks back on those the trophies. I then because they just all then started piling in. Yeah, yeah. And I say this to a lot of drivers, you know, like you you, you got to have the bad times to have the good times. Absolutely. And once I got that, that was the close of the season. And then 2010, um, I ended up moving on to the new Maddox chassis, which you know Peter De Bruin, ex-karting world champion, yeah. and it all just happened, you know. The trophies just started rolling in. And what was different? What clicked? The product. Yeah, the product okay. was an improvement for sure. Okay. Um, but just, you know, the team that I went into, it was just the mentality of those drivers. I'd never really had a, a teammate to kind of, I wouldn't say learn off, but just interact with. It was always we were either on our own or the teammates were in other classes. Yeah. Like with PCR, I'd get the odd Italian come to the race. There was a Slovenian guy that raced the whole season, but he was... He was a lot slower than, um, than what I was. Um, but when I moved on to the Maddox bit, I had five teammates now, right. and they had come in for me to, to take me there. So yeah. um, I remember at the time I had, um, I won't mention the driver's name, but a British champion um, and a top Formula A driver as my teammate um, from Britain. Nice. And I thought, right, now this is going to be a great test. And... My dad always seemed to, like I said, he was a great negotiator, but he, his composure he lacked sometimes, and he always used to look at names on the entry sheet and go, oh, my God, they're racing. And I'm, I was just like, 
<laughs> and, I thought, and that was just the way I was as well. Yeah. yeah, it might have been a nervy character, but at the same time, didn't really care what the competition was. It yeah. was just, that's what's in front of you. Yeah, yeah. That's what you dealt with. You overtake and, them. <laughs> yeah, and, or you try. Just, they're, yeah. just, they're just yeah. a cart. Just overtake them. And, but, that, but that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because mm. your, your, your approach to it was, there's a British champ coming in, mm. Formula A driver, pretty good. Your approach was, I'm going to learn as much as I can off this guy. Uh, it, it wasn't so much, it was just kind of sit back and see what it's all about. Right, so you're you know? just going to watch him? Yeah, as well as having, uh, uh, again, uh, the team was Dutch, so I had some top Dutch drivers in there. Yeah. At this point, we started racing domestically in Holland and Belgium, doing the Benelux series. Um, and that's when I started to see all teammate games and, and, yeah. and, and, and just, and, but the thing with me, it just never fazed me. Yeah. Um, and I think that the reason, by the sounds of it, the reason it wouldn't have phased you is because you were happy to just sit back and watch, do yeah. your bit, but watch what was going on. And, and you say that, but I think a big thing, and we, we deal with this today, don't we, with what we do. Like, again, parents will do the best for their kids, but, and teams, most teams, yeah. um, but it was never ever results driven. Yeah. You know, it was never, I never had to think about the result. Yeah. It was just like, go out there and do it, and the rest took care of itself, yeah, yeah. you know? And, yeah, um, the teammate bit, yeah, that was tricky to deal with. But, for example, um, say we had 10 races that year, um, I only got beaten by that teammate, the particular teammate, call them the talent, so to speak, once in a heat nice. and outperformed them the rest of the year. And that was the year of the um, finishing second in the European uh, I remember we did a race in Austria and I'd been out qualified for the, the, the final and again team orders and stuff like that and they were never ever going to figure in the top but it was like you've got an outside chance to do this yeah. and I remember I, I made my way from I think I was 8th on the grid and I was coming through and they just blocked the hell out of me and I was like wow this is like your whole persona coming out now yeah. because Quite clearly, they'd had support from their racing in the UK, and I their true colours started to really come out. And and their dad was present. He would come around, try to rattle me and stuff like that. And I was just like, just really not phased by it at all. Yeah. You know, my dad, on the other hand, he would get a little bit phased, but yeah. now I had a mechanic. Yeah, okay. And that is another another thing that I care so much about because obviously I have the experience of doing the mechanic bit. I had a mechanic that cared about what I was doing. Yeah. You know, you get some of these. Don't get me wrong, most of these guys that do it are great, but I really get the impression that half of them don't care about yeah. what they're doing for their yeah, driver. A driver needs to have anyone that's behind them or involved mm. in whatever way, they need to be in your corner. You need to know that whatever happens, they got your back. And I, li I literally got the impression from the mechanic and the team that they would die for me to to get whatever result was needed at the time. Well, your team essentially behind you were just doing everything they could to make sure you everything, had everything. Everything, and that's job. what I, we say. It, yeah. well, you know, you've got to go out and do everything you can for that yeah. driver. You know, you've got to give the 100% commitment because, again, if the people you're involved with are not giving you that commitment, how can you possibly get the best? Again, don't want to make it results-driven, but how can you perform the best? Yeah, at the end of the day, you, you, know. need, you, need, you, need all the, you need everything to go right to be able to get that result Absolutely. that everyone's looking to achieve. And they worked their asses off, you know, uh, to get this right. And then when it came to the next week, last race at Genk, we were ready. 
And yeah, that's 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 fantastic. And the fact that you got the results at the end was mega. But I also know that from a financial point of view, it wasn't easy for you, as there's a there's a lot of people out there mm. that that are struggling financially. Um, and it can you can make it work, can't you? I mean, you you know, you're you had a, a brilliant career in karting, and you you had a lot of fun along the way, by the sounds of it. So financially, how did you did you support yourself? What did you do? So I had a lot of sponsors. And at this point, was getting the karting virtually, well, for nothing. Yeah. So the sponsors contributed greatly to the, the travel. Um, at this point, rolling few, forward a few years, you know, the results were fantastic. Never, ever outside of the top six, I think, for like four years or something, right. which was great. Um, but during that period, my dad had kind of lost a bit of interest. Um, my mum had become a little bit ill um, and he was just like, look, you know, I've done all that I can do now with this. You're in your, you've approached your 20s um, and now it, it's, you know, you've got the finances there. Let's see a bit more effort yeah. from you yeah. to drive that. And, you know, it's your baby. So you can do with, you know, I think at the time, you know, I was getting on average about, probably about 15 to 18 grand's worth of sponsorship, which today is not a lot. No. It doesn't last a lot, but at that but time then, it went a lot. Yeah, it, yeah. it went my whole season, yeah, yeah. you know, and we're not talking about... Um, and let's be clear, you did that off your own back. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, my mechanic went on to be my mechanic to this day. Without him, and I don't know the full ins and out. Again, my dad was a bit of a negotiator, but I know now that he did it really cheap because mm. he wanted to be there. Yeah. And but again, that just links with the commitment, the people behind you. Unbelievable. It's, you know, yeah. yes, people need to get paid, yeah. but equally, yeah. he'll, put, he'll put himself out there before he did. getting paid. And he had kids, he yeah. had everything, but he, it was just an unbelievable commitment from his side. And to this day, like, I really recognise that now. Maybe yeah. now I'm a bit older. Yeah. So uh, what are we, 11, 12 years on, you had mechanic experience now. Yeah, you, you've yeah. gone through that process of being a mechanic and being in another driver's corner. So by the sounds of it, that experience that you went through and that those those emotions and the feeling and the people you had around you, you've then taken that yourself, gone into the mechanicing side and supported your own drivers, which you've had a lot of success with. We won't name names, but you've had a lot of success with. Yeah. Um, you know, tell our listeners and viewers about you know the mechanicing bit. What have you learned? What mm. did, how did that further your interest commitment and understanding mm. of the sport well like i said i was working in england at the time in the engineering sector and the company it was it was a lot of old people in the company and there was not really a wage structure to it so i was getting away doing my racing but you know as i was getting into my 20s i needed to really have you know mortgages yeah. and stuff like yeah. that and um you know i'm being a dad of two now yeah. it, it was you know i had a the first one was quite young and I thought I had a friend from uh, playing football five sides on a Monday night, and this guy who would commute from Spain uh, every Monday to Friday and then go back with his family was like, "Oh, the the, the boys have been telling me that uh, you do a bit of go karting, Pat, like this." And I was like, "Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah." Um, he goes, "Oh, my sons do it in uh, where, yeah where they were from. Yeah. I won't go too specific because then you give it away." But um, we're going to move over here. Uh, do you fancy doing a bit of mechanicing for us? And I was just like, yeah, why not? Yeah, you know, like a bit, a bit of extra income. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I would have, in the end with those people, I would have done it for free because they're just, 
this guy was was quality. So the, you know him well enough to well be enough, doing impersonation yeah, like that, yeah. and they won't take offence to it. Yeah. Or is that genuinely how he speaks? Uh, I think he'll admit that's how he is. But <laughs> no, but 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 really, the mechanic thing. Like I, I, I admit, I should have taken more of an interest as when I was driving. But again, what we speak about sometimes that you know it's great educating the driver technically. But they need to focus on their driving yeah. at the same time, especially now with the comp you know with the way it works yeah, and everything. Yeah. Um, and I just did it, you know. I don't think I would have gone down that route, and I did it. Um, and very lucky that he ended up being quite good, and he got he obtained some quite impressive yeah. results at yeah. the time. Um, and then I went on to a few drivers after that, and again was really lucky. They were from nice families and obtained some pretty good results. But then. Then it's sort of like they left, and I hadn't made a plan to go forward. And I ended up after that taking on a few drivers that, you know, didn't have credentials from necessarily the, car, the cadet um, uh, categories. And I thought, actually, now I've got to try and really improve these guys, mm. you know, because um, so you took you took the the, the the engineering and understanding, the driver understanding, and mm. tried to mould it yeah. together to bring uh, all it, those elements together to to. Improve. At the time, I didn't, you know, I was. I was into football, I was coaching as well during the week with football, um, I was doing my stuff locally so in the UK. Sorry, you were already learning your key skills in the coaching area yeah. in a completely different yeah. sport, yeah. which is quite interesting, yeah. the fact that that's the same as our focus of course. in Kokoro, yeah. you know, mixed sports, understanding what everyone else is doing. I think becoming a dad contributed to that as well, because yeah. patience. Grow up. <laughs> grow up, and well, if, have we grown up? Like, yeah, but well, no, but, but patience as well. Just going to show how mature I used to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think one thing, I, and it's really kind of hit home in the last two to three years, is that, you know, you can, re, you can, you, that driver is the last person you see before they go on the track, and yeah, they probably have so much to learn, but you can dictate almost how they will end up on the track. Yeah. Your contribution is for that kid, not for anyone else. Your focus is on doing the best for that lad, not yeah. for anyone else has 100%. to say or think about it. 100%. So, but that's, that's, it's interesting how you've brought that element, your, your personal experience in the racing, your mechanical and engineering understanding to the mechanical side. So from a personal side, you understand what the driver needs. As a mechanic and the mechanical engineering side, you know what the cart needs and the driver needs to be fast. So you're then able to just kind of bring everything together. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you could say that, and, and, and that's kind or of... Am I giving you too much credit? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably giving me too much credit, <laughs> yeah. But, but no, it, it's, I think the biggest thing I learned as far as, say, the coaching bit, and even the, the management bit, is, is that, firstly, from the management bit, um, what could I bring? Well, I understand, understood how the figures worked, yeah. you know? Because I'd, ma I'd managed the yeah, figures yeah, myself. Yeah. All right, they're not hundreds of thousands, but I'd managed it and had to have those negotiating skills from maybe now my dad wasn't there. Um, and, and then also the, the preparation for the driver, mm. you know, when they're down. So, so bringing forward then, you know, all the events that have happened in your career so far, everything has, in my opinion, knowing you, has happened for a reason. Because... You went through what you went through in your karting career. You then went through what you went through as a mechanic. You've, and it was at that point then, it was a few years ago, we actually met each other again and we yeah. were having a chat about yeah. the karting paddock and the motorsport in general and, and just life in general yeah. as it is and the things we have to deal with. And it was at that point when, hang on, 
why don't you just come and work for us? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and essentially, that's where it all it all happened. Yeah. And uh, and you know you've been quite a vital part of the team for the the last year and a half now. Um, so you're you know for us you're you're now not only we don't just rely on you on the mechanical side or the engineering side. We also rely on you the coaching, the management, the day to day, the logistics, like. So all those skills you've built up over these years, yeah, it might have been fucking hard sometimes, mm. but still, you're, you know, because yeah. of those hard times you went through, you're now have the skills to do what you're doing. And, and the biggest thing from this, which people, you know, you never stop learning. No, you never on all aspects of it. You exactly. know, like I lean on you and a and a, a few of our colleagues for advice and support and 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 you know even you know i look at i do coaching seminars now i I go to coaching seminars all right they've been remote but from other sports because i feel learning from other sports is just it's 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 unbelievable there's not enough of that at the moment in the sport is there no 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 it's very it's very very uh narrow-minded i would say um you get you know innovation in coaching that's the biggest thing for me with what we're doing here. I think, you know? that's, I think that's what the sport lacks. We, and that's something we're all, you know, we're mm. not shy about talking about yeah. the innovation of coaching in the sport. And that's where we are massively behind. But I think working on finding new ways to improve our drivers and by understanding what other sports have done right and wrong mm. is, is key in what we're doing yeah. um, and how we're actually going to help change the sport. So following on from that now, what do you think your key strengths are as a coach, having you know, worked with Kokoro, learnt from your own career before you met and started working with us, and also the, the, the seminars and the training that we've been doing away from the track? What, what do you think your key strengths are now as a coach? I would say having had the experience of being there, done that, I know what that particular athlete is going through or driver. Um, so, you know, if, 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 if things are getting a bit heated, you know, and they're lacking a bit of composure, I can calm the situation down yeah. and just say, look, take yourself out of this environment. You don't need that, you know, and just get them to refocus. Um, so, yeah, just and, and having, a, you know, I guess maybe being a dad now and having worked with so many kids, being a confident to talk to, because I see a lot of drivers, they, a lot of drivers are holding a lot back. Yeah, absolutely. They've got habits. Yeah. Or something's going on and I'm not trying to say you know because obviously you have to get the role right but I'm not trying to say I dig for it but you, you can tell a lot of the times now. If you now, see it that's yeah. the thing you've got to dig those questions. Absolutely because not, it's affecting the on-track performance. Absolutely yeah. exactly and I, I think that that's something that any of our listeners whether they be coaches themselves yeah. or, or team owners or team or, 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 or mechanics anyone that plays a role in a driver's career or even a driver's weekend mm. it's important that we are looking for those things because that's where the performance is the skill set is already there most of these carters have done enough driving to know how to drive definitely a yeah definitely it's yeah. from the point of view of well how why aren't they performing not need to break late you need to break late i'm not being funny they're already on the limit they already believe they're on but the I, limit. I i, I kind of disagree because i think some of these guys do get they do get the results some of them but they're lacking in so many other areas and yeah. it shows when they go to the maybe the higher level going to do the, the the sick fear stuff yeah or when they go to cars oh my god this is now a professional environment yeah. i have to be fully focused here i have to get in my car get out go to my engineer consult my coach whatever yeah. it's a you have to you're laying the foundations here course, and it and absolutely. it depends what do you want to get out of it do you want to go there and you know if you want to go and have a laugh 
great. Yeah. But if you do have the aspirations to go to higher formulas, you need that professionalism and you need that desire, dedication. Yeah. And, and I you think need that structure. That structure. structure to, 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 that's my goal. Mm. How do I get there? This is what I need to do. Who do I need to speak to? And again, you know, I'm going to ask you a question because this is something we've been speaking about off the camera um, over the last few months. If some driver came to you, you didn't know who they were. You, they were just in the paddock, and they came up to you and said, "I'm struggling with this. What do you think?" You know, and just had a conversation with you about it. How would you approach it? Would you be like, tell them a load of old rubbish, or would you actually listen to them and give them some 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 knowledge from your own experience? Well, it happens all. The, it, it happens a few times, to be honest. You know, um, and. You know, you know various people around the paddock. You get to be acquainted with them. But, you know, it does happen now and again. I get someone come up. Again, you'll get some people go, well, you know, why would they consult you? But I know what it's like to live on the road and do this and dedicate yourself to it. Yeah. Again, people will say, oh, the level you did it at, whatever. But I know the dedication and application you have to give to this. Yeah. And you have to give everything. So when they do come to me, or you're asking if someone was to come to me, You've got to have a bit of background information on it, you know. And I see a lot of drivers out there. You know, they, I, I've, I've seen them. I've, I, I see, I look at what goes on, and I see a driver come in to karting, for example. And, I, and, you know, let's be honest, we are in the same paddocks most weekend. So you see, if someone's new in the paddock, it's a small paddock, you see them potentially progress, or you see their journey. And I see a lot of kids, they've got so much potential. Yeah. Um, but they've gone with the wrong team, who doesn't care about their welfare. They just—it's yeah. just a—they're just, a, just number, number. You yeah. know, cash is king, so they say. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, it just—you know—and they're down. They don't know why they're down. You know, there's just so many aspects to it. You know, mentally, physically. Yeah. Um, is yeah, it, no, is exactly. it not the right yeah. move for them? Is the team not yeah. right for them? Exactly, you know? because that's the other thing. You can have a championship-winning team, but that team may not necessarily be correct for your drive exactly because yeah. you ha it's about having the right environment and mm. the thing is I, I don't believe there's any bad teams out there I think it's bad relationships between driver and team and that, that's not that's not that's not a fault on the team that's not a fault on the driver it's literally just the dynamic doesn't work you know you can have the, the championship winning team it won't work for that driver because that driver works in a different way so that then leads me into my next question for you then, Pat, which, which kind of tees me up nicely. You've got a new kid. You've got a parent listening in. They're about to start karting. What's the first piece of advice you'd give them? With all your experience, your knowledge, what, was, what would be the first thing they should look to do? Do a lot of research before you, you dive in. I see too many people just diving in. Um, going straight for that top doesn't, team do, doesn't have to be it can be from the grassroots it can be if you're doing your IKR non-licensed racing all the way up to the top level yeah. that we work at you know um, I mean really the easiest thing to do would be for any of our listeners just give you a call <laughs> message you yeah. message you because the thing is again that's a kind of a broad question isn't it really mm. that I've just come up with because actually it depends what you want to do Add to, add to that achieve. full inbox of mine already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just me asking you yeah. questions. Yeah, no, no, no there's, there's a lot of other ones, trust me. But yeah, but no, it, it's, it's do your research, you know. Um, it is hard, to, you know, some, some guys get lucky. They meet, the, they meet the good people of the sport, you know. They, they go the right way about this. Um, 
I've learned, I, I couldn't comprehend this in the beginning, but you know, obviously there's going to be bad eggs in all sports and all aspects of life. But unfortunately, some of these drivers and parents um, fall into the hands of some of these people and they have such a talent, you know, yeah. or they've only got a certain budget if they're down this end of the scale yeah, yeah. and they just get in with the wrong people and they just, those people just take them for all yeah. they have. And they, fo- they focus on the wrong things. Or they don't care. On the wrong areas. Or they don't care yeah. about their development. Absolutely. You know? and we, and and we, we need to change that, don't we? That's, that's, the, that's the thing that we're trying to focus on right now is trying to change people's perception of it doesn't have to be done like this. It can be yeah. done in all these different ways. Well, I mean, something I'm into, like obviously football, that's had a massive clean-up in the last yeah. few years, you know. Um, and that is, I guess, really, the, that's my passion and dedication coming out for it, you know. It, I just, I care a lot about who we work with, yeah. uh, or or just just seeing someone progress or steering them in the right direction, yeah, you know. Right, Pat. I think we've covered everything we need to be covering on this topic because hopefully people know a little bit more about you now, and they understand where you've come from and the focus that you've got on the sport moving forward, which is our focus as a company. Um, two things. For 2021, what are you most looking forward to in motorsport? Just getting back out there and competing. I, m- I miss it so much. It's you know, a bit like this. At the moment, isn't yeah, it? I know. I know. Obviously, the the times, but just just competing. Yeah. You know, and see. You know, the, the particular drivers that I'm working with at the moment, just seeing them progress. Yeah. You know, it, and it's a hard. We're going through. So we've got some little issues with them, but watching them grow, yeah, and competing. That's that's. I, and, and, like, and with all our clients, again, they're just committed. They're, they're, they're yeah. on the same path as us. They understand we're doing what's, what, what we believe is right for them rather than the other way around. Uh, okay, cool. And outside of the racing, what has motorsport contributed to your life? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've lived this since I was 11. And there's guys that have lived this a lot longer than what I have. But... I've met amazing people over the years. Like I've, I really have some fantastic people. I got, you know, um, I've done a lot of travelling all over Europe, and I can, I think I can safely say, if I was stuck in, you know, uh, in Austria, in Vienna, I can just call up so and so and say, oh, yeah, can I sleep on your couch? You know. <laughs> but no, you, you meet some great people, some great friends. But I think um, away from socially getting a lot out of it, um, it's I've got a lot of discipline out of it. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, I, yeah, when I was growing up, like 17, 18, a lot of people will laugh at this, but, you know, what do we all want to do when we're 17, 18? We all, you know, people, you know, we want to drink and stuff yeah. like that. But in the end, it just weren't for me, you know, um, a few other issues regarding it, but it just, it just weren't me. And it just, you know, it's given me structure, um, discipline, and I hope that that's contributed in a positive way to my family life. But obviously, my partner will probably tell you not because I'm away <laughs> half the time. But yeah, but no. It, it, yeah, sorry it, about that. That's it, probably my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. we've got to have words for the lady. It is your fault, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it, 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 it definitely has discipline. And, you know, I'm going to look back on those days with my dad. And, it, you know, phew, I couldn't have got that experience with him in no, any other absolutely. way. He, he, I love football. He didn't like football. He liked golf. I detested golf, you know. <laughs> so how did we... You know, together. how did we bond with yeah. that relationship? Motorsport, yeah. you know. That made, that made your relationship a lot stronger. I, w- uh, I, would say, I would say now I'm older, I respect him so much Absolutely. for what he did. Yeah. Whereas when you're in the moment living it, 
you know, like we have with, you know, we have with a lot of guys that we work with, you may take it a bit for granted, yeah. but I think it makes you ground as well, seeing and, the commitment. And, and you're, you know. never, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get that in any other way. You'll you? never get that back. No, no, no never, never. No. You know, so I, I think, you know, on the road with my mum and dad. You know, yeah, just no, fantastic, you know? fantastic. Well, appreciate you coming in, buddy. Yeah, Thanks thank very you. Much. Appreciate that. And, Thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you have, as always, with our podcast, the whole reason we're doing this is to give something back to the sport. We're not doing it for any reason. If you've got any queries, any questions, you get Pat Pateas Pop Pop on his Instagram or you just message Kokoro Performance. Cheers, guys. 